folks, the topic on the table, first of all, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Well and Coffee. The topic on the table this morning is change. Oi, change. <laughs> That's about $3.34. So change is the topic of conversation. And if you noticed in my email, oh, there you go. It totally... Okay, if you noticed in my email, the, uh, the topic was, why is it so hard to change? Or something like that. Or the science, uh, the spiritual science of change. Something like that. So why is it so hard to change? The question we have to really ask ourselves is, where does change come from? Right? Where does change come from to understand why it's sometimes so difficult to change? To understand where change comes from, we have to understand what lies inside of us. Because if you want to map out where change happens, where change occurs, or where it comes from, we have to map out what our insides look like. No, I'm not talking about some sort of biological sketch of, of, our, uh, of our insides, but rather our spiritual insights. And so what I'm going to present over the next few minutes... Good morning. Great to see you. What I'm going to present over here... Let's, let's hook up Adina Malka with a copy. Uh, over the next few minutes is pretty much a tour of the inner workings of the human being as defined by the, uh, the works of Jewish mysticism, particularly the book of Tanya, um, the book of Tanya that is the, what's known as the Bible of Chabad Hasidic philosophy, written by the founder of the Chabad Hasidic movement, Rabbi Shneir Zaman of Liadi. Tanya was first published, I believe, in 1798. So the book is a little over 200 years old. And I mentioned this uh, Thursday night. We have a Tanya study group. Some of you around this table were, were with us Thursday night as we studied Tanya. I mentioned, I mentioned Thursday night that it's really the first book of psychology. Really, you know, inner psychology that before Freud and before you know, the great modern psychologists and theories, you had the Alter Rebbe with Tanya sharing what, what drives us as human beings and what exists beneath the surface. Kind of taking a, taking a look under the hood. You know, the car, the light goes on, or whatever, or there's smoke coming out, and the question is, so what's the problem? You know, you sat, sit, stand there looking on the outside, it's not going to help, you've got to open up the hood, and you've got to check out what's going on the inside. But if you open up the hood and you're like me, it doesn't help anyway. You know why? You know why? Oh, first of all, I don't know how to open the hood. Is that what you said? That's hilarious. First of all, first of all, how do you open the hood? Second of all, even, no, okay, no, that I know. But once you open up the hood, so that, how does that help? Because you're, we're, we're talking about car repair, Ed. So you open up the hood, the next thing you know, I, I don't know my carburetor for my gasket. Is there a gasket? Somewhere, somewhere there's a gasket. Anyway, so you got to know, you got to have a feel for the lay of the land in order to engage in repair. So if we're talking about interchange, and we're going to talk about what change helps and what change, why change sticks and why change most often does not stick, and we want to trace it to where the change is occurring, so we have to map out the inside. So here's, here's the way Tanya maps the human being. We're going to work from the outside in. You guys ready? Why are we working from the outside in? Because the problem, then we started from the inside 
<laughs> well, when they constructed it, no, when they constructed it, no, but, I'll, t- but I, I'll tell you a very simple answer. The simple answer why we're starting from the outside in is because that's what we're most familiar with. Because we, ex- as human beings, as homo sapiens, we exist, we live from the outside in. Like, we size up people first from the outside and then in. Like, you get an impression about the person based on how they look and how they speak and how they're dressing, etc. And then you go deeper, as we've talked about many times in this class. So, since we, since we approach from the outside in, because, hey, we're not the TSA. We don't have those cool, like, body scanners that can see all, like, immediately on the inside. So, we got to start from the outside. So, that's why spiritually we're also going to start from the outside. You ready? Let's begin. Kabbalah explains that on the outside, there are three garments. Just like when you first encounter a person, what you see is their garments. The same thing is true spiritually, what you encounter when you, what you, encounter when you meet a person or when you think about a person, are you encounter their garments. Now, what are the garments of the soul? Oh. So, Kabbalah says there are three garments. The three garments are thought, speech, and action. What does it mean that they're garments? These are ways, these are are, are avenues of expression of your soul. Now, we haven't yet defined the soul. So, if you're wondering, so what is the soul that is getting expression through the garments? Hold that question. But whatever that soul is, it is gaining expression through thought, speech, and action. Let's start with the most external of those three. The third, which is action. So again, we're starting from really the outside, outside, the outside of the outside, and then we're going to move our way inward. The most external expression of a person is their action. It's the most external in the sense that what a person does has an effect outside of themselves and creates a change in the external world around them. And that means that they can walk away from the situation and the change remains. The impact that they... Right? You create something, you take a piece of clay, and you form it into a cup, and you walk away, your change is still there. Unless someone takes it, (laughs) or unless it breaks. Right? Physical action creates an imprint, creates a change. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm using the word change here. I don't mean to confuse the word change that I'm using now with the, concept, with the topic of change, of, of interchange, that, that, that is really the topic of today's discussion, at least the first part of the discussion. So um, maybe I'm going to shift to use a different word. What we do creates an impact in the external world around us, outside of us. It's the most external thing that we can do. And it doesn't require a presence anymore, any longer. Once we, once we do something, it's done. It's set, we can walk away. And that action has still been done. Okay. Then you, that's all action. And that, by the way, action expresses, is as a form, a modality of expression of self. And so let's quickly throw in a, a very brief definition of self. Self is what you know and how you feel. Or what you know and what you feel. Let's, def- let's, put, the, let's put the definition of self as that for the moment. What is self? What you know and what you feel. So what I do is an expression oftentimes of what I know and what I feel. I feel love, I'm going to do something loving. 
I feel anger, I'm going to do something angry, maybe. Um, I know that I need to be somewhere at a certain time, so I'm going to do something that gets me there on time. Right? So my action is reflective of things that I know and things that I feel. Another way of expressing my ideas and feelings, known in Kabbalah as Seichel and Midos, Seichel is intellect. Midot, Midos are emotions. Another form of expression, another garment. By the way, it's, why is it called garment? Because a garment is not the person themselves. It's only a something, a garb that the person puts on. So it's really secondary. Because I can have a feeling and not necessarily act on it. So acting on it is secondary to the feeling itself. So it's a secondary and it's also an expression. It's a secondary expression. Just like clothes express the person, so the garments of the soul express the soul. Second form of expression are, is speech. Speech is, I take my ideas and my feelings, and I convey them to you. Jeff, you know what I'm thinking? You know what I'm feeling? Man, if you love me, you would know! Alright. No, that was overheard. No, that was actually overheard in a, um, in a Russian bar back in the day by a chassid. Now, why the chassid was in a bar, in a tavern, I don't know. But this is the, he overheard two um, uh, Russian folks that were inebriated. As many of you know, Chabad began its origin. The origins of Chabad is Russia, Ukraine, etc. Uh, say it again? Oh, and he, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. No, 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 no not at all. No. Um, that's... <laughs> That came later. That came came later. (laughs) That was the next year. (laughs) So, overheard somebody saying, Ivan, do you love me? Of course I love you, Boris, whatever, whoever it was. If you really loved me... Oh, then he's like, so what am I feeling? I don't know, you tell me. If you really loved me, you would know how I feel. Something like that. That sounds like a a conversation in a tavern, no? With little slurred words and whatnot. Okay, so what's the point? The point is that speech expresses, notwithstanding the fact that you should be a mind reader, but speech is how I express my feelings or my ideas. So how do you know what I'm thinking? It's through speech. How do you know what I'm feeling? It's through speech. So speech is, again, a garment of the soul in the sense that it garbs and it gives expression to what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. Or, more precisely, my ideas and my feelings. Now let's move to the most, in, most inner garment. The most inner garment of the soul is thought. The most inner, well it's a garment, so it's an outer expression. What is the most inner of the garments, of the outer expressions? It's thought. Thought is considered to be, is considered to be a garment that is so close to the person. It's the, it's the tightest garment you can find. No, 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 no. Emotions are what you are. Thought is you communicating to yourself what you're feeling. In other words, there's an emotion that you're having. You're having an emotion, an emotional experience, as we all have emotional experiences, or an idea experience. How do you consciously become aware of that? It's by thought. Thought is the revelation of the ideas and the feelings that you have 
the revelation to yourself. So thought is you revealing your ideas and emotions to yourself. Speech is you revealing those ideas and feelings to others. And action, action is putting in, put, is actually creating something because of that, or doing something because of that. All of these three avenues, all of these three areas are avenues of expression of who you are. One is expressing to the outside, one is expressing through action, expressing to the other through speech, which by the way, you have to be closer with speech. You have to be closer through speech. Then action. Action can be very distant. Speech, re, speech implies a, a certain intimacy between the two parties. What is the Hebrew name? Speech, you said <coughs> Dibor. Oh, Seichel are inside you. That's the soul. We'll, we'll get to that soon. Oh. The Levushim, the garments, are machshava, going from the inside out now, just, just to mix things up. Machshava, which is thought. Dibor, speech. And Maisa, which is action. Thought, speech, and action. Now, so again, action is disconnected. Can be disconnected from the person. You don't have to have an intimacy. You just, you're doing something. It's, it's out there. It's disconnected. Speech implies a connection, a relationship between you and the one that's listening. And there's a certain intimacy implied there, even though there doesn't have to be. But usually in speech, there is some sort of closeness that is involved in the act of having a conversation. Then, okay, what about blogging? So you're writing it from a distance. I don't know. If there's a real readership, if there's a real relationship there in the speech, in that communication, then there's also an intimacy. If not, maybe it's more action than speech. But we'll leave that for, uh, we'll leave that for the blogging to figure out. Next, the final one, the most internal garment, just to recap, is thought. Spot thought is not just a certain intimacy with another, but it's still outside yourself. Thought is so intimate, it's so inside yourself that no one knows what you're thinking. Close to you Co- Closer to you than speaking. Why? Because with speech, others outside of you know what you're thinking. Know, know what your ideas are and what your feelings are. With thought, when you start processing, okay, how, for yourself, what am I thinking about, what am I feeling? When you're processing that internally, no one knows what you're thinking. So thought is considered to be the inner garment. Now, Kabbalah explains that what is the implication? You know, we use ter- a term like garments. You could find many, uh, any number of terms to, to, to uh, categorize these modalities of expression of the soul. But one significant feature of garments is that garments can be changed. Correct? And that gets us back to the topic of change. Garments can be changed. You're wearing something red, and you switch it to something blue. And then you say, you know what? I'm feeling like something black. And then you're like, no, black was so... Last Tuesday, therefore I'm going to go white. Therefore I'm going to go gray. Therefore I'm going to go peach. Therefore I'm going to go orange. Whatever it is. So, and then you finally decide, you know what? I'm going to wear one of each. That's it. We'll We'll just mix it up today. So, garments we know can easily be switched. Ease without effort. As opposed to your own self. Physically. Go change up your body. Which is easier? To change your body or change your clothes? I'm not even tired, right, exactly. But I'm not even, forget it. So let's hold off and wait for a sec. I'm just talking about in general. The concept of, 
you want a new look. Changing your body is a much more complicated process. Now I know today with there's different there are options out there. But the cons, the essential concept of what is what is easy to change and what's difficult to change. And some things about the body, one could argue, can never be changed. One could argue, but probably could change pretty much anything. Anyway, but the garments are so much easier to change. The same thing is true spiritually. Let's bring it right back to the spiritual idea. To change what you know and what you feel. I know we haven't really defined the soul yet. We're still working our way inward. But to change the essence of your soul. If, not the essence. To change your soul. Very difficult. To change your expressions of the soul. Not so hard. Not so hard. What does that mean? Change your actions. We can do that. We can do that. Right? Change, modif- change actions. I've been doing this. So, uh, up until now, I've been doing this, that, and the other. I'm going to change that. can be done. Change speech patterns. What I say. How I listen. How I communicate. can be changed. Even changing thought is doable. Changing thought is very difficult because thought, as I said before, is the most internal of the garments. It's considered a garment that is almost fused to the soul. It's not. It's secondary. It's an expression. But it's so close. It's a garment... Okay, here's the deal. When it comes to the garments of, 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 of action and speech... They are garments that not only can be changed, they're garments that can be taken off altogether. You don't have to wear the garment of action. You don't have to act. You could stop. I want to do something about something. Somebody said something to me and I want to do something that demonstrates my protest. Let's say. Do you have the option to not do anything? Absolutely. You can discard your garment of of action. You can just, you, not only change it, you can just altogether take it off. I'm not, I'm not doing anything. Speech, I really want to say something. You have the option not to say anything. Absolutely. Do you have the option just to be silent? Absolutely. What does that mean? You have the option not to engage in that garment. So you can either change the garment. You see the difference between changing and, and undressing, if you will? So I can change it up. Instead of doing that action, I can put on a, I can do a different action. That's changing the garment. Or I can just take it off altogether. I don't have to do any action. Speech, same thing. I can change, I can swap out the one speech for another. Or I can not speak altogether. When it comes to thought, it's a much more difficult idea. When it comes to thought, it's a much more difficult proposition. And the simple reason is because thought cannot be stopped. As long as we are alive and conscious beings, we're not going to stop thinking. You can't just turn off the mind. Doesn't happen. Can't turn off the mind. It says thoughts are constantly rushing like a like a river. We try to quiet the mind sometimes. We try to so we try to we try different things sometimes to block out things and to focus or to quiet the mind, etc. The bottom line is you are always thinking about something. Even if you're thinking about I'm not thinking about anything and I'm in that quiet space, you're still thinking about something. Which means that thought cannot be the garment of thought cannot be taken off. 
It's a garment that cannot be taken off, discarded, unlike speech and action, which can just be taken off. You don't need to wear those garments. Thought has to be worn. But what Kabbalah says is we have the ability to change those garments. And therefore, when a negative, destructive thought comes our way, whether it's negative because the thought usually leads to negative behavior, or whether the thought is negative because it's a depressing thought, or it's a destructive thought, or it's a self-deprecating uh, thought, whatever the thought is, when that thought comes to us to tell myself, I'm not going to think now, I'm not going to think anymore, good luck with that, it's not going to happen. To tell myself, or to redirect my thoughts to something positive, that's something that can be done. In the book of Tanya, he talks about how the, the author, the author talks about how to um, how to modify our thought patterns so that when negative, destructive thoughts do come our way, how to very how to train ourselves to efficiently redirect them to healthier thoughts. And it takes time, takes effort. It's a muscle, like anything else. The brain is certainly a muscle. Thoughts are a muscle. The power of thought is is uh, is a muscle, and it takes training. And the and the, the training is to really be in control of to be in conscious control of what we're thinking about. Oftentimes, we only notice what we're thinking about until it's too late. So you catch yourself already and you're stuck in a negative thought pattern and you're like, oh no, this is not good. I'm in a negative spot. I'm dwelling on something either dangerous or depressing or whatever it is, or judge, maybe I'm judgmental, I'm stuck in a judgmental thought, whatever it is. I off, so often we catch ourselves once, we're too, once it's too late. So part of what, what, what Tanya advocates is the idea of always being aware of our thoughts. Always, training ourselves to always be conscious of what we're thinking about. Not to just let the thoughts kind of run the show, but rather to be in conscious control. What does that mean? It means that not, you, you won't be in control. He says in Tanya, we're, we'll never be in control of every thought that pops in our head. That's impossible. Because they come from deeper, we haven't gotten there yet, but they come from deeper uh, factors inside of our personality, soul personality, that are beyond our conscious control. In other words, they just, they'll, the, the, the inner workings of, of our being will push it will push thoughts to the front of the mind, if you will. But the more we are conscious of what we're thinking about, the more we can be gatekeepers to determine what crosses the border into consciousness, into, into active thought, and what gets rejected pretty much right away. You basically train yourself to check the ID of the thought that attempts to cross the border into your conscious thought. The idea, sorry, the idea, make a difference between ideas and thoughts, or the emotion. You check, the, you check, okay, there's an idea. Check the visa. Huh? Check. check the visa, exactly. You check, you straight up border control. Straight, it's, it's it literally, the Torah says, Shoftim v'shotrim titen lecha bechal sha'arecha. It says, place police officers, police, pla- uh, place, Shodrim v'shoftim, huh? Not really security. Shoftim are judges. It says it says place shodrim, police. How do they say police in in Israel? Shoter, shodrim, police 
Vishoftim, Shofet, is a judge. Place police officers and judges at all your gates. The classic commentaries, forget Kabbalah for a moment. For a moment. They say that what does this mean? The gates of your, in a, in a personal sense? It means you got to place police, i.e. the muscle, and they show faith, a discerning judge, at every one of your gates, your gates of consciousness. So, now, now most of the times, the classic commentators explain it like this. you got to put them by your eyes to make sure that you're only seeing what you should, what's healthy to be seen. You should place them by your ears to make sure you're only hearing what's healthy to be heard. You should place them by your mouth to make sure that you're only saying what comes out. You know, you... Again, you have to judge, discern, is this healthy, is it not healthy? Then if it's not healthy, you have to have the muscle, you have to have the police <laughs> saying, stand back, don't, don't cross this, this, this border. Kabbalah says the same thing is true with thought. Thought is also within, within our own ecosystem, within our own system, we have to be vigilant, we have to be on guard to make sure that the only things that cross into active conscious, um, I guess active is the best way I could put it, active thought, what I'm actually engaging in in my thought, are only things that are healthy, that are, that are, and that are, I think healthy is the best term. Healthy things. Whether that means spiritually healthy, or whether that means physically healthy. As we know, like resentment, we know the famous quote, resentment is like drinking poison and hoping the other is going to die. That's what resentment is. It's being bitter. Being bitter doesn't really hurt anybody but yourself. So I know it's destructive, but I can't help it. All right, hold on, slow it down. If your thought, and by the way, the fact that you have the idea of resentment in a deeper place, which we'll talk about soon, that doesn't do do so much damage. What does the damage is when you regurgitate, when you mull it over in your mind, machshava, thought, in in that garment, it's when you activate it there, that's when the destructiveness happens. Or when you speak about it, or when you act on it, God forbid, all of that is what causes the, the, the primary destruction, or the destructiveness. And so therefore... So Kabbalah says, when it comes to action, you can either switch it or discard it altogether. You don't have to do anything. I think Shay's Taub Friday night, if I recall correctly, if those of you that were there for his talk, he said something about just being there, just sitting with the experience. Did he talk about that Friday night? Just, just, you don't have to respond. Just, so not in action and not in speech. Now thought is a little bit trickier. Thought is trickier. Thought you ha- you're going to think. You're going to think. So you can't just say, so I won't think. It's not going to work. You have to train yourself, says Kabbalah, Tanya, etc. You have to train yourself to notice it early on. It's like early detection. You gotta, you gotta, the, earlier you, the earlier you detect the negative thought, the quicker and the easier it is to redirect yourself, your, your mind, your conscious thought, to another idea that's a healthy idea. And you can train yourself. You can train yourself with training. It's not, it's not easy. It's not easy. This is the stuff of life itself. It's not, it's nothing, of, nothing about this is easy. But it, it can be done. And this is the work of the Bainani. This is the work of, uh, of the hero of Tanya. The person that does struggle, that does, does fight. But this is, these, are, these are some strategies. And what is a strategy? To associate a healthy thought, to have a go-to healthy thought that you can segue to when you detect that negative thought. Huh? 
some, whatever, for whatever for the person, something healthy, something either, if, it's, if, if my thoughts are self-destructive, then it's got to be something self, self, uh, of self-affirmation. If it's something of a lowly nature, then it should be something of a spiritual nature, the antidote, whatever it is, the bottom line is the earlier. You see, we often don't think about these things. That's why it's, it's, it's helpful to have this, this roadmap out there. It's like the car. All you, all you recognize is when the car is not, not turning on. It's like, oh, great, something's broken. Well, you know what? You've got to know how to read the signs, and hopefully you catch things a little bit earlier. So you know, when the light goes on, boom, you've got you to change the oil. Or yeah, but uh, the thing that I was going to ask you was, <clears throat> I hear what you're saying, but in the brain or your thought, how to get broken, what, is that representative of yourself? If you have that broken thought, that negative thought, and then you've got to redirect it. It's in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's in your It's in your. It's in your. It's in your thought already. Yeah, a hundred percent. So what that means is that it's. But but here's the point. We have to look at it like it's a garment. So how can I wear blue if I'm wearing a black garment already? Switch the garment. It's possible. It's not easy. So you're, oh, wait, wait, hold on. Are you asking, so are you asking once person, it's already in there, if, by the way, a healthy person also has this. In a healthy thoughts. person in a healthy brain, <laughs> no you have person. a, let's just say, a negative thought. Is that record, and you redirect it, I understand, maybe you're able to redirect it, but where did that negative thought Oh, right, we're about to get there, all right. Nah, yeah, well, that doesn't, not in the moment, but he already did. Guess what? We got all that stuff buried deep inside. I could have learned it on TV, though. What? The negative thought. <laughs> the negative thought. Yeah, but... Those feature the actions from TV, maybe Right, but, but, the, but your attraction to that idea. Yeah. The fact that you didn't immediately reject it. The fact that like you're like, oh, hey, wait, look at that. Oh, I, hey, I could... Let me try that one on for size. It could be a simple thing. It could be simple. Yeah. So the the fact that you react in a in a way that you're trying it on in your thought, that 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 got embeds within you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The the specific idea may have come from TV. The action. As all good ideas come from TV. (laughs) (laughs) All 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 ideas worth having are coming from TV. No, but I'm with you. You're right. The idea may have come externally, but your affiliation with that idea, yeah, that's, that's your affinity to that idea. You're like, hey, let me... Let me yeah, I can see that. That's all, that's all within you. We haven't gotten there yet, where that comes from. But I thought you were asking something else. What? That, like, once it's in your head, so now, like, how are you going to evict it? And so here's the thing. It's not really about evicting. It's really about redirecting. But I want to also share another idea with you. But, but along these lines... And we're going to just give me a second. Somebody comes to you and tells you something absolutely outlandish. What's something absolutely outlandish that you would never even entertain for a moment? Somebody says, what's something outlandish? We're not entertaining it. Well done. No, I I, I can't go so dark. I don't want to go dark. Take your life savings and let's go to Vegas. Yeah. Let's say that. Well, some people are like, <laughs> some people are like, what's wrong with that one? Yeah. No, let's get something more outlandish. Um, okay, I, let's. Okay, this is going to be outlandish, super outlandish. You ready? Boom. Somebody says, um, "Would you like to go 
to Mars with me tonight at 7? I don't know that this example is going to work at all. But <laughs> just, just. Okay. I well, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. One second. Now, let's let's focus. Let's let's use this one because it's like innocent and it's truly outlandish. So you're like, all right, let's go. So somebody says, let's go to the moon tonight or join. What is it? Mars? Mars? Let's go to Mars. We're gonna leave at seven. We'll be there by eight. You're like, what? Like, what are you talking? Like, I don't, I, I don't understand. Like, where? What are you saying? What is going on? Like. Your mind, you're, you're, not even, you're not even entertaining it as a valid idea. It's not a valid idea that you're like thinking, oh, well, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. Wait, what am I doing at seven? Like, huh? Yeah, it's like, who do I know on such short notice? It's like, what do I wear in Mars? You're not like thinking, I know it's garments. Like you're not, it's not even something, it's great. Not even something you're really entertaining. It's something that your mind just doesn't, like you reject it straight out. Which means that the mind has the ability to reject that which is foreign to it. Now the problem is, a lot of destructive thoughts. So, so then the question, you, we can ask the question. So how come when a, destructive, a self-destructive thought comes to mind, like I'm not good, or I, I'm, I'm angry, or all of these things that hurt us, and we know it hurts us, why do we entertain it? Why don't we reject it? Like, oh, that's, I'm not, I'm not going to think about that. That's, that's outlandish. That's silly. It's ridiculous. Why don't we do that? So the point is, is what I said before to Jeff. So, uh, number one, within the realm of possibility. Number two, it's through training. We've, we've, we've somehow crossed that threshold. We've felt it. We've understood it. We've thought about it before. So how did the first time we thought about it? Bottom line is, there's something within our character, inner character, that doesn't find it so foreign. But here's the point. Here's the point. Just like it's possible to so directly reject something outlandish, we can train ourselves to perceive that negative destructive thought as being outlandish and therefore rejecting it. You with me on that on that last point? In other words, in other words, here's the point. What Tanya is is telling us is as follows. How can and I'm going to phrase it as a question, but it's really a statement that you can, but I'll just phrase it how can just to make it a little bit easier there just. How can I this is my, my own personal challenge, and this is what I want to get to. How can I? What do I need to do? How can I get myself to a place where the moment that negative destructive thought comes to mind, comes to my fore, you know, the, the front of my mind, my conscious thought, how do I relate to it as absolutely ridiculous, and how do I reject it in such absolute terms like I would the fellow that says, let's go to Mars at 7 o'clock today? How do I say... I'm not, that's so ridiculous. Not in a way that you're fighting with it. Because know one thing. When you, when you wrestle with it, guess what? You're in it. When you're wrestling with it, you're in it. It says if you, if you wrestle with somebody that's muddy, even if you win, guess what? You're getting muddy. So, so then, I mean... Yes. How it, it seems clear that if you immerse yourself in holy thoughts, then you're going to recognize what's not holy. How how inconsistent that thought is to where you're putting yourself exactly. So therefore, the more we can set ourselves up in, and that's when it comes to spiritual things. But even like say personal health, like what's health, what's what's self, what's 
what is my affirmation and what is going to hurt me? So the more I put myself in that healthy space inside myself, the more I, hopefully I'll reject that which, that which threatens that. Well, my, my inner well-being. I think Jen, you had a question? Jen, Rena, you... There's no, there's no question, there's no question that it is a difficult, that even that is difficult. But when you look at, when you go further in, that stuff becomes easy, relatively. When you look at trying to, cha- trying to redirect your thoughts, and you don't have the luxury of taking them off, then you look at action, oh my gosh, all I have to do is not do. That's so much easier relative to stopping or redirecting, more redirecting a negative, destructive thought that comes to my head, and the fact that I don't even recognize it before it actually happens, as opposed to th- action where I actually have to do something to act on that negative thing. I have to actually go out of my way and do something. That means that there's a bunch, many more steps before it actually transpires. I, th- th- it's much easier to catch myself and say, you know what? I'm just not gonna. I'm just not gonna let this this process continue. We're gonna stop it right here. Absolutely, you need you need a you need a Christ. So that's why you need these shoftim and shotrim. You need these judges and you need the police officers at all of your gates. Not only from what's coming at you from the external, like uh, like you said about the TV influences or whatever media influences, to make sure that you're not allowing those things in. We've talked about this before in this class, uh, maybe like once or twice. Not it hasn't been uh, not one of those that we talk about often, but once or twice. The fact that. You know, we innocently put influences in our own homes, and our homes are like the most intimate. I mean, that's our intimate space. Our homes, our living rooms, it's where we live. Our bedrooms, it's where we bed. It's like you have like these intimate spaces, and we put influences there. And the question is do we really want those influences there? Is that, is that what we want in those spaces? I mean, it's not, it's a question. The point is, how do you stop getting caught up in the evaluation? Oh, you're saying and to the point that you're not actually having a thought because you're just thinking about what I'm thinking about? Well, you know, you're trying to evaluate it fairly and you're spending all your time on it. Uh, yeah, no, I, I understand. Look, I, I don't know that we're ever going to get to that point where. I guess that's a, that might be a problem. I don't think that... I, I don't have that problem of, of being too stuck in the analysis. I think the problem that most of us have is that we only recognize that we're thinking about something negative when, we're already, when we've already been on it for a little while. I think that's... I understand that that could be a problem, but sometimes you have to bend the paper the other way. When it's bent this way, you've got to go the other way to kind of get things straight. You know what I mean? Like, I think that for most of us, it's after we've been... In the, in the negative thought pattern for you know, either five minutes, ten minutes, or half an hour, or a whole day, or whatever, we're like, man, I don't feel good. Why don't I feel good? Oh, because I'm thinking about all this not good stuff. Oh, and then, and then once we're entrenched in it, it's so difficult. Now, now you're going to redirect. You're in a bad mood already. It's, like, it's so much more difficult. That's why the, part of the power of Tanya is just to, even, even just to evoke, even just to get us aware of the fact that it's a garment, and therefore you do have control over it, if you're aware of it. The awareness that I could be aware of it, 
is already the first step to actually being aware. Did I say aware too many times? I, th- I think I did. But knowing that you can do it, knowing that you have that power, is I think in itself very, effect- very powerful, empowering. Because you know that you're not just some sort of passive recipient and like you're, you're not a victim anymore. You don't have to be a victim. Well, it keeps you in control. Yeah, it's all about empowering. Right, it's at least knowing that, you, that if you choose to and if you work really hard and, and do a lot of training, you know, inner training, then maybe you can be, you know, in control and power. But it's, look, what you think the border control... a rabbi to remind you of that. And that's why we're here. And no, and that's no, it's not a rabbi. But that's why we that's why we study this. We study this to remind us of who we are and what the challenges are, and you know what we what the tools that we have at our disposal, etc. You think border control at any nation is easier? Always have have folks trying to smuggle in and try. Same, it's the same battle. You heard about this drug cartel guy that just got busted yesterday. So it's like it's the same thing. It's like you have our inner self is like trying to get stuff across the border. And we only notice it when like we've been we've been using for a while and it's like, oh hey, where did it come from? Oh it, it slipped through my it slipped through my thoughts. And now I'm like and now I'm stuck in this negative thought pattern and it's destructive, but I'm kind of addicted to it because it's what I've known for the last half hour, so now, now I'm not gonna do it. I'm I'm like stuck in that bad mood. I'm stuck in that space. So the key is really to be very vigilant but but to, that's the key. But before that, it's to know that you can put somebody that that you can be stationed there and check it out. Yeah. I'm just wondering, is it part of the soul? Is it something that we're born with, like the struggle? Oh yeah, yeah. Children yeah. in a family, they all react differently. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I know that from firsthand experience. So, no, it's a hundred percent, a million percent. I'm, that's the next. That's the next frontier. We're going deeper. So as soon as we wrap up the garments, we're going to focus now on, so where does all this stuff come from? Because my mind is processing, I don't know where it came from. It came from somewhere deeper. I didn't, I didn't think it into creation. It came into my thoughts, but it was somewhere, beyond, it was somewhere before that. So the question is, where was it? The question is, how did it get there? And that's what we're about to get to. And the question I think you're asking is, is it nature or nurture? And the answer is yes. Well, right. We're gonna get, and we're gonna get there in a second. Yeah. I was just thinking about what Jan said about the buttons and the hooks and everything. Yeah. The notion of garments is helpful to me because if you have this outer, if the most outer garment is your action, you have to, just like you have to act your way into good thinking, like you can't think your way into good actions as more as easily as you can act. You have to take off the action first. Oh yeah. Then you can step away from the ledge. The think, then you can take off the the thinking, and then maybe maybe where you're heading is to the ultimate, to the character or whatever. So right, exactly. You can't really change your thinking while you're still acting in the unhealthy way. It's going to be profoundly difficult if you're still engaged in that. Let's just say um, you're feeling um, you want to take revenge. Is that vengeful? You feel you want to take revenge, so you're you're in the middle of plotting your revenge right. and you're like actually like you're actually doing you're act- that's what I'm saying yeah. you're, you're in the process of like setting the trap and then you're thinking you know I really want to clear my thoughts I really shouldn't be thinking negative it's, it's what you're like yeah exactly like you're kind of stuck in that so exactly and that's thank you for bringing that up because I, I mentioned before that the reason why we were going in backwards order is because it's the most external but the truth is as David's pointing out 
very accurately, and it says this in the sources as well. Um, it's not only it's not only Reb David's. Uh, I mean, it also is, but it's it also has has sources. The fact that we 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 have to peel back the layers. Like you you can't be engaging the action and try to clear the thoughts of that of that experience if you're doing it and or if you're speaking it. You kind of have to start from the outside and then work your way inside. Once those are clear, it doesn't mean it's no slam dunk that your thoughts are clear, but at least now you have the space to work on that because you're not caught up in the in the other stuff directly. And the, I found the reverse is true that you clear your thoughts and 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 trade it for the happy thought that actually to reinforce that action in speech. Right, for a healthy, right. So the more the, when you go that way also it can help for the healthy stuff. But I think the point is if you're still stuck in the negative, destructive action, it's going to be very hard to clean up the inside if on the most practical, fundamental level of being, you're, you're in that negative space. It's going to be very hard. Now, once that's clear, now you're working on the inside, it's going to be easier than to let flow from there healthier things. Right, exactly, because you're, it's, it's now you're, you're, you're moving through a nice, healthy movement. Now, now we have to focus. Now let's go a step further. So where does it all come from? So it comes from what we would call the body of the soul. Now that doesn't make any sense, the body of the soul. But for lack of other terminology, the, the actual substance of the soul, the soul itself. And I'm avoiding the term essence of the soul because that's going to be the final frontier. We're going to get there soon. And the, the essence we're going to say is, is fundamentally different than, than all of this stuff so, uh, that we've discussed until then. But let's talk about, so we have the garments, that's, again, for, on a human level. So you have the clothes that we wear, then you have your body, your, your person, your actual self. So the same thing is true with the soul. There's the garments of the soul, thought, speech, and action. And then there is the soul itself. The soul itself, as I mentioned before, is comprised of seichel and midos. Ideas and feelings. Ideas are not thoughts, as we've said many, many times. Ideas are not thoughts. Ideas are things that you know, not things necessarily that you're thinking about. But ideas are thoughts, what you know. And emotions, feelings, are what you feel. What you know and what you feel. Part of that is how you know and how you feel. That's part of it. How, how you know and how you feel. How you... It's not only pieces of information, it's how you know. How you process ideas. How you feel, how you process emotions. Not only how you process them um, consciously, but how you process them subconsciously. How do you process them in the inside before you start thinking about how you've processed them? Because you've already processed it. Give you an example. Somebody says something to you and you get offended. And you catch yourself thinking, I'm, re- I'm really offended. Guess what? Before you thought, before, you're, before you were conscious of the fact that you're offended, you felt offended. Which means that somewhere inside, you processed, you processed the statement that the person said to you. And you had an emotional reaction in a certain way. See, some people won't get offended. Some people will hear the same thing and say... Either, thank you very much for your constructive criticism. I'm going to think about that. Some people will just, just disregard it, like, whatevs. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't have time to like, deal with haters. <laughs> haters going to hate! <laughs> with me? I'm trying to be relevant. I'm trying, I'm trying. I've got to...
Yeah. Once we're feeling it, right? So, the, but the question is, when you when you see the light or whatever it is, when you're conscious of the fact that you're offended, you have to know one thing: that something already was processed inside of yourself. You already processed that you've already interpreted beyond consciousness as something offensive, and that's why you're thinking, "I am quite offended." Wait. Oh, that's a great question. You ready? Profoundly difficult. You're not. You're probably not going to control that. You're probably not going to. This is and this is what this is what Kabbalah says. It says like this: Your garments you can change. Your garments you can remove some of them. Your your the things that you know, the things that you feel, or how you know and how you feel. It's like body modification. That requires some some heavy heavy work. Heavy work. And even if you do heavy work, you're not guaranteed results. The question is, where does that come from? Why is it that somebody is offended? Again, again, I have to be super clear on this. There's two, two steps. One is that you were offended, and one is when you become aware that you were offended. When you start thinking to yourself, you start processing, I've just been offended... That's already too late. In the sense that you've already interpreted somewhere inside, you've already read that, heard that, learned that, seen that, experienced that as offensive. That's already happened. The information has already been processed and you didn't even consciously process it. You weren't even there. But you were there, but you weren't there. In other words, you didn't think to yourself, hey, Oh, let me think. What did they say? Okay, what did they mean? Hmm, I can interpret it either way. Either the, And then you say, oh, let me ask you, how did you mean it? Never happened. That never happened. Now, that may happen sometimes, but in this scenario, that never happened. You ju- the first thing you noticed, if you were being self-aware, the first thing you noticed is that you've already been offended. That was offensive. Where did that process happen? Says Kabbalah, that process happened inside the soul itself. Not in the garment that happened. That's what the soul is. The soul processes processes ideas and it processes feelings. Isn't it sometimes from experience that you had that perhaps you don't remember that you had? That's all part of it. So now we talk about... So good. So that gets to the question, so why do some people process it as offensive and some people process it not as offensive? Why do some people feel... Jealous, and some people pro- process someone else's success as jealousy, and then they're conscious, but they've already interpreted that somewhere inside as jealousy, and some don't. Some will never, they, that won't even come up as part of it. So here's, and this kind of gets back to a lot of the questions that we've had so far, and I said we're getting to it. This gets back to Abraham. God says to Abraham, Lech Lecha, you have to leave. First, first words that the Torah records that God spoke to Abraham. He was, how old was he? He was 75. He was already a champion of monotheism. He already had put his life on the line to jump in the furnace of Nimrod, who was the king, because he wouldn't bow down to the idols. He had already done that as a young man. Now he's 75, but the Torah does not record any of that. That's all recorded in the Midrash. The Torah's first recording of God's communication to Abraham is the following. Third portion of the Torah in the book of Genesis. 
God says, Vayomer Hashem al Avram, God said to Abraham, Ab- before he was Avraham, Abraham, he was just Abram. God said to Abram, Lech lecha leave. Me'artzacha, Eretz, from your land. Umemoladadacha, from the place of your birth. Umebase avicha, and from your father's house. Leave three places. Me'artzacha, your land. Me'artzacha, your birthplace. Be'savicha, your father's house. The mystics say these three expressions <coughs> contain the influences that make up who we are and what comprises our soul, the inner workings of our soul. And it's a combination of these three factors. Your land. Your land is your society. Part of how you're going to interpret, let's just use this, let's just stick with this example because I think it's working. Part of the way, part of what will determine how you interpret, when somebody says something to you, will I be offended? Will I not be offended? Part of that, not all of that, part of that has to do with your land. Your land. In other words, the society that you're from. The society, the culture that you've been brought up with. Some societies are this way, some are that way. To make it very convenient for my example, even though I don't know such societies, some societies are easily offended, some societies are not easily offended. It's a societal thing. Now, do I know this? Can I give you a society? No. But again, we're sticking with this example, so we're just going to assume that this is true of societies. Right? The French, they don't care what you say about them. I'm, this is all, I'm just making this up. Just, 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 but just, just work, just work with it. Work with me. And there are societies that will process things differently. They have different ways of doing things, and that's going to influence you as a product of that society. That's going to influence you how you interpret things before you're conscious in your mind. How did I interpret it? What determines that part of that one factor? One of three is society, your land. Next. Leave, the, leave your birthplace. Leave the factors of your birth. That means that everyone is imprinted with a unique personality at birth. That's not nurture, that's nature. The first factor we mentioned society, that's nurture. You grow up in a certain society, so therefore, notwithstanding the essential qualities, essential temperament that you have, you're now a product of a certain society, and that society does things a certain way, that's going to influence you to also interpret or also think about things in a certain way. That's the first factor. The second factor is your, the factors of your birth. In other words, the, the, the things that are ingrained within you. Everyone, and this gets back to what Rini said before, you have a family. I'll speak of my family. We have four boys. Kenai Nahara. Kenai Nahara in it. So we have four boys ranging of ages, and they've all got different personalities. Now, there's overlap, obviously. But you look at, okay, are they in the same society? Yeah. Within the same culture? Yeah, that's all, that's all the same one. Um, the same, okay, we didn't do the third one yet. third one is like the uh, education that you get. Parents' house. That's, but we're going to get there in a second, but that's all the same. What's different is the number two. 
is this middle area. It's me'moladecha, is the, the factors of your birth. It's the factors of your birth. In other words, the, the, the features, the dispositions, the genetics. straight up, no, but not only physical genetics, spiritual genetics, soul genetics. The fact that somebody is more chesed and somebody more gvura, some, one of the, one of, in a, in a family, one sibling is always looking to, to do for others, to help out the siblings. And the other one is not, not so interested in helping out. Where did that come from? Where, did that, where does that come from? That comes from an inner disposition. Go figure. You can teach the same values, have the same rules, in the same society. Now, maybe it's possible that child behavioral therapy specialists will tell you that no, even though you think you gave them exactly the same thing, but you really changed things, and therefore, you're the one that did it. But I'll tell you this, as many as say that, will also say that at the end of the day, not everyone is the same. And Kabbalah says this simple statement, and that is just like people physically don't look the same, even though they're siblings, they're physically not the same person. Physically, they have different fingerprints. Physically, they have different... A, a genetic, uh, you know, the, the, the genome, whatever, the code, the genetic code. The same thing is true with inner dispositions, i.e. with the way they process ideas and information and the way they process emotions. Every human being is different and unique. That is part of your soul personality. So what, again, what determines whether you make a statement, you make a statement to two, the same statement to two people. Identical statement to two people. One is offended, one is not offended. What makes the determination? So it's a, fa- it's a combination of factors. Number one, okay, what society, from where they, uh, what society? What's their, inner, what's their inner soul print? We've talked about soul prints before. What's, that's the second factor. What's the third factor? Let's move on. Third factor is me base avicha, the house of your father. House of your father means simply the house that you grew up in. In other words, the education that you got at home and of any other close education. This is in distinction to the first factor, which is more of a general societal influence. This is more of a closer, a more intimate influence. This is the influence that you get in your, fa- in your familial house, in the fa- house that you grew up in, with the specific instructions, instructives, and the specific uh, guidance of your parents, or lack thereof, right? And or the specific direct guidance of your schooling, of your teachers, the close teachers that you have. As opposed to the first factor, which is your land, which is more of a general, how does the society look at values? How does the society deal with criticism or deal with, etc.? Deadlines, okay, all that stuff. You with me? So Kabbalah says, so first just to round out the, the verse, God is telling Abraham, leave all, don't let all, don't let any of these three hold you back. You can read your you can redefine yourself. Now, that's a profoundly difficult thing. What he was calling upon Abraham to do is really take the ultimate journey of life, not just to work on your garments, but to work on your inner self, and that's profoundly difficult. That's all in the context of the verse. Getting back to our context, why am I mentioning this? So again, we're going from the outside in. So, you're noticing something negative within yourself. So, you can change the action, or you can stop the action. You can change the speech, or you can cease talking. Just, just not, not react, just not answer. You can change your thought. You can't not think, you can change the thought. 
But what about how I feel? What about how I understand, how I interpret what happened? Not what I'm thinking about in the moment, am I dwelling on that thought? But how do I think about, how do I, what do I know about it? Or how do I feel about it? When I said before, I catch myself being offended, it means I already processed it as being offensive. Can I change that? So here's the answer. Kabbalah says, theoretically, yes. Practically, extremely, extraordinarily difficult. Don't bet on it. Don't, don't bet on the fact that you'll ever be able to change that. You may never be able to change that. Kabbalah says, you're still okay. You're still okay. Why are you still okay? Because no matter how offended you naturally are, you have the choice when it comes to your consciousness to vet it out and say, wait a second. Let me, th- let me really think about this. Did they really mean to be? I know I feel offended inside. Subconsciously, I processed it as being offensive. But now that I can think about this with my rational mind, was it really meant to be offensive? Do I really need to be offended? Is that going to help the situation? What's the healthiest thing that I can say? What's the healthiest thing that I can do in response? Or maybe the healthiest thing is not to do anything or say anything. Once, notwithstanding the fact that inside I had a reaction that is seared in my personality, and maybe I'll never change, notwithstanding all of that, I have the ability on the garment level, which frankly is life. Life exists in the garments. Life exists in the interaction that we have with others, in what we do and what we say, and also what we're thinking about and processing. It's how we, it's how we are. It's our disposition. Because, when remember, when you got offended inside, when you interpret it as offensive... Nothing happened until you started thinking about how offended you got. Nothing really happened until you started in machshava and thought in the garment, thinking about it, and then like, I'm not going to take that, I'm going to say something, I'm going to share my mind, or, oh yeah, you think you're going to offend me, I'll offend you, or I'm going to do something, right? So nothing actually happens. So this is until we process it through the garments. And there, Kabbalah emphasizes again and again, you do have control. So here's the point. Not saying that we shouldn't try to work on the inside stuff. We should. But don't, don't beat yourself up if you don't see that movement happening. Now, God told Abraham, I want you to focus on that. That's Abraham. And we should strive to that. Abraham was at Sad. We, for us, the main work needs to happen in the garments. We should also try to work on the inside stuff. But if it doesn't happen... That's not an excuse to let the garments go, to run, to run wild. I try to work on my inside, but you know what? I'm offended anyway. I can't stop being offended. Oh, well, I'm just going to let it go, think about it, speak about it, and do it, and, and act as, offended, as an offended person would. That's not an excuse. Just because you feel, just because. Yeah, but that's how God made me. God made me easily offended. That's not an excuse for the garments. So, to answer your question, where does it come from? Forget the outside influences. There are inside influences. Either you're going to change them, most likely you're not going to change them. But even if you don't change them, you still have a responsibility to be a mensch in thought, speech, and action. So, um, you're talking about it's probably unlikely that we'll be able to change our unconscious being of who we are. Correct. The problem that I struggle with is um, I um, sometimes have an issue with sleep. And it's not until I wake up 
that I realize I've been struggling with something and I'm unconscious for hours. Right. Right. And that, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a challenge. That's a challenge because what, you're, what I'm hearing you saying is that sometimes you're not even in machshav and thought, you're not even consciously processing what's going on inside and, and that's causing lack of sleep, it's causing other forms of harm and, and so, how do you, so if you're not dealing with that part and you're only focusing on the garments, well it's not in the garments. Or it takes so long for it to get to that level that it's already it's already caused it's already it's already left that's its mark. The issue. Yeah, so that that's that's not an easy issue. But I will say that a lot. Although I said that we may not be guaranteed results over there, that doesn't. And Tanya emphasizes again and again. Even though Bainani may forever be struggling with, you may constantly have to reject those thoughts, but and 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 which means that they're always being produced. But that doesn't, that doesn't let us off the hook from, from trying to go deeper and trying to deal with it. Now, we haven't given any strategies for doing that yet. Oh, we've given strategies for the garments. We've explained the garments and the strategies. We've explained a little bit on the insides that a lot of it is really factors out of our control. Did you notice that, by the way? That pretty much all three factors are out of our control? Did you notice that? I, don't, I didn't mention it. But all three factors are out of our control. Because you didn't decide which society you're brought up in. You didn't decide whose home you're brought up in. You didn't decide your parents. We, we didn't choose our parents. And you didn't decide your essential genetic or soul genetic disposition. None of those three essential factors are in our control. Which means that we're given... We're just given a hand. And, and, and let's just say God. God says, here's your hand. And you're like, what? What if, what if I don't like the hand? But that's the hand. You know, God says, talk to the hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Kind of cards. No, those, that's the hand. Yeah, the, the hand that you're dead. The cards that... That's it. Hands are, that's it. That's what you have. Like, you have that... That's, that's what you... That's... Yeah, but Rabbi, they, I mean, didn't the Rebbe have a discourse on transforming your inner self? Yes. And so, so there is means to do it. Yes, right. So, so that's... Well, uh, it doesn't mean it's a beta complex. Correct. So here's the thing. The reason why I said... Yeah, huh? We did it. We did it. No, we had. Do wait, did we learn transforming the inner self? Did we learn it here? No. But you shared it. Well, I mean, you. We. I don't know that we shared it here. Did wait, wait, no. I'm asking. Did we ever learn? Oh, Adam Kiyakrev. There is Adam Kiyakrev from the Alter Rebbe. Adam Kiyakrev is transforming the inner self. Um, transforming the inner self is about. Yeah, it's about transform the inner self. So here's, so here's the deal. Here's this, no, no, you're 100% right. It doesn't let us off the hook. But I, I really wanted to go the other way. Just, just to make the point. And that is that we should never tell ourselves, well, if th- I, I would love to not think offensive thoughts, but that's how I am. So that's who I am. So don't, so don't let yourself off the hook for the garments, dealing with the garments by saying, well, that's who I am. That might be who you are, but it's still a net destructive thought. So don't think it. Reject it or, or, or redirect it. Now, can you work on the insides? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. How do you do it? So let's, let, that's where we're at. That's where we're up to right now. How do you work on the insides? Oh, yeah. No. Um, Spiritual therapy. It's like, don't, um, don't not work on your inner Right. Yet, don't beat yourself up if it passes through your thoughts. Correct. Because the more you beat yourself up, 
the more down you will be on yourself, and the more it's not only that, but like psycholo- or like on an inner level, what you're telling yourself is, this is you take a fatalistic approach to it. This is what I'm fated to be, and this is who I am, and that's it. So, so that's why one of the great, in a, one of the most liberating teachings of Tanya is that no matter what your natural disposition is, you still have control over thought, speech, and action. Now, it's not easy. You have control. And you know what? Even the inner stuff, inner stuff, we can also work on that. That's why this is how we explain the whole Tanya. Excuse me. Tanya opens up with a quote from the Talmud. It's literally the beginning of Tanya. It's before the soul comes down to this earth. It's it's required to take a pledge. It has to pretend on the Bible. It has to take an oath. It literally has to take an oath. It says, So you give the soul an oath. Tehit Sadiq, be righteous. Va'alti Rasha, don't be wicked. So he asks in Tanya, if you're telling, if the oath is be righteous, so why do you need to say, and don't be wicked? If you're already pledged to be righteous, so obviously you're not going to be wicked. So this is, this is, this is the, a major idea, major theme of Tanya. And it, it's the opening line that he asks this question. Major theme of Tanya is that there's really two, two fronts that we battle. The first front is really the second half of the oath, which is don't be wicked, i.e. don't express the negative stuff in thought, speech, and action. And you should strive to be pure, to be a tzaddik on the inside. In other words, the first tzaddik may be righteous means work on the inside. But even if you don't accomplish and you're not able to clean everything out and change the way you, you react before you're conscious of it, at least don't let it come to your garments. Don't, don't let it take over your consciousness. So really we have to fight on both fronts. And we're going to get there in a moment to how we fight on that front. Here's the deal. I'm not going to act like that. So you we, say to everyone, I'm not offended. You don't have to... We're not, we're, not say, we're not saying to be... to be. doesn't mean to be, you know, very... Um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Dishonest to yourself. Well, here's the thing. I, exactly. Is there, and, no, but even if... But Jan, even if I tell myself, you know what, I am offended. I'm offended. That's my personality. I get offended. But I know that if I dwell on it, I'm going to be only hurting, I'm going to be hurting myself. So it's not healthy for me. Forget about the other. They're a low life because they offended me. <laughs> but if I focus on that, if I focus on that, it's hurting me. Why do I deserve to hurt myself? Don't I, de- or why should I hurt myself? Don't I deserve better? Shouldn't I treat myself better? I should treat myself to hurt and pain just because of some schmo. I should. I mean, just because of think about it, because of some somebody else, I should I should torture myself. That doesn't make any sense either. So the question is, is it really is it being dishonest or is it really being honest? Is it being is it being less true or more true to myself? I could make a. I think I can make a pretty solid argument. I understand what you're saying, but I could I could at the same time make an argument to say I'm being more true to myself by not letting it take over my my thoughts and, and speech and action. Because I know that it's more destructive to myself. I know that if I'm stuck in a place of something happens and my reaction is um, 
is, is sadness, or my reaction is jealousy, or my reaction is resentment, or my reaction is offensiveness, or my reaction is hate. All of those things are poisons for myself. So if I really truly care about myself, I'll say, you know what? Thank you very much. My nature is to be offended. But if I allow that to be, that's not good for me. So therefore, I need to do whatever it takes to get out of that place. It's no different to me, as I'm, as I'm, as I'm saying these words, I'm thinking, it's no different for me to say, if I'm sick, I'm going to take medicine. But that's not being honest to myself. You're sick, be sick. I say, yeah, but it's not good to be sick. In other words, what I'm, I don't know, uh, sick may be too hard of a term, but if I, if, I, if, if I have a, if I, for whatever reason, if my inside, my inner spiritual soul disposition interprets something in a way that actually ends up nine out of ten times hurting me, then for me to try to get out of that is not, it, it is being no less honest than me saying, I want to take a medication or whatever it is, eat something healthier to get me, my, myself out of, a, out of a health challenge. That make sense? Yeah, yeah, that's not going to work. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not advocating superficiality, saying like, "Oh, I'm not offended," and just pretend like you're not offended because you're right. If that's if that's the if that's the approach, uh, it's then it's then you're not you're not being real. Yeah, if, if that's if that's the, if that's specifically like, okay, I'm offended, but oh no, I'm offended. You're my best friend. That's this. Disinge- yeah, that's that's not the that's not that's not the approach I would advocate. What I would say is really to think about, like I said, think about the fact that it's not healthy for me. You have your own, clearly, Mr. Offender, you have your own issues to deal with, but I'm going to deal with my stuff, and my stuff is, i gotta, I got to worry about myself, and myself is that if I get in this pattern, I don't feel good about myself, and I don't want to be there. I don't want to be in that place. I want to be in a healthy place. But I understand, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. There's two types of being offended, though. I think on, on that level, uh, I have the choice to decide, wait a minute, this is not personal. This person has a problem with me. And what this person is saying to me is more about that person than it is about me. Or right. Right. I can think, wait a minute, you know something, I might, be, I might, I don't like this, but I might better think about this. Oh. So there's, there's two ways. Two ways to actually, to actually flip it over and, and, not, and not get stuck in it. I like that. I like that. I like that. Thursday, you kind of brought this up that just like about beating yourself up or saying it, uh, that's ego. That has nothing to do with, you know, and so, you know, like you said, when, when, that, when those thoughts come up, it's like right now. Well, I, let me just explain what Marnina is saying. What Marnina is saying is like this that those, the reaction that we have inside is part of our soul disposition. When we start processing it and thinking about it and it starts taking over our pattern, our, our, our thought patterns and our speech pattern and our action patterns, according to Tanya, all of that, that process is being fueled. I mean, the, the, the statement was made by somebody else and it's already sitting in there, but what's stoking the fire of all of that is really the evil inclination that just wants us to be stuck in negative, beha- ne- negative patterns, whatever they are. Whether they're anger, whether it's depression, whether it's jealousy, whether it's resentment, whatever it is, if it's a negative, if it's negative or righteous indignation, if it's, oh yeah, that's a good one. How dare you say... All of that, just to, again, just to explain, all of that, what helps fuel the fire there is the, is the evil inclination. It just wants to get us stuck in something negative. It doesn't care what it is. As long as it's negative, 
it's good for the it's good for the evil inclination. It's like good. You're less likely to do something positive if you're dealing with all that stuff. Yeah, and it's also just because the thought went in my head, I'm not obligated to share it. And that's what we have to tell ourselves. And and, and the other and the other thing is that um, it's you know the whole thing about whether you know like it's like the duality of like be a tzaddik and don't be a rasha. Well, that's part of the freedom. Our will, you know, like a free choice. That, and, and as part of like the animal soul and the godly soul. So it's that it's also it, I, that's the thing. We don't want it to always be a struggle, but that's that's what we signed up for. Yeah, or we didn't. <laughs> it was, it was given. Yeah. Well, it was, yeah. I, you know what? It's like it's like the skiing in the Olympics. And that's it. It's like it's some. You know, I don't know if we chose to go and to. to Push off and go down there, or somebody just pushes down the slopes. But bottom line is, we got we got to navigate, and 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 we don't put we don't put where those you know what I'm talking about, like the with the poles that they have to go around. We don't put the we don't set the course. The course is set, but we but there's gravity, and and you're headed you're either headed at it, it's either going to smack you upside the head, or you're going to go around it, or you're going to. Do some cartwheels down it, but it's going to happen, it's the, and it's there. And everyone has their own, based on their own personality. Everyone's got their own landmines, i.e., uh, gates or whatever they call them. Everyone has their own stuff. So when somebody says something for you, it's a flag for somebody else. It meant nothing. Bottom line is, you got to deal with who you are and what you've got, and and, and deal with it now. Okay. Quickly, yeah. You said, you know, or you say like that's just the way I am. Right. You know, the thing that is. Who made that up? So if you made that up, then you can make something else. Up. Oh, okay. So, but I, I will say that as that there is an element of of a story that I tell myself about myself. But part of it, though, is at the end of the day. I, I mean, I just. I mean, I'm looking at you because you asked about about kids and siblings and whatever. The reality is, I know with my own kids that you know I could say, well, maybe it's they told them. They've got. Everyone's got a different personality. Everyone's got different things that make them happy and make them upset. And it's you know. So here's the point. Just to kind of kind of bring things together, and really, this was okay. We have the garments, thought, speech, and action. Garments are can be taken off, can be switched with, with effort, but it can definitely be done. The inner, the inner you, which is. How you process ideas, how you process feelings, all of that stuff. How you process. Before you realize that you process it like that, how you process, a lot of that, are fa- a lot of that is comprised of factors that are beyond your control that were just either embedded by birth or embedded with education or embedded from society. I will tell you there's a fourth factor. The fourth factor is the, the, the choices that we make and the, the, uh, the choices that we make and kind of the connections that we make within ourselves about relationships between things and things. Am I being like all too, like super vague here? That, just that last something. Yeah, you process that. Yeah, well, yeah, the, like the connections, like the, um, you know, like when you think about certain things, you create like synapses in the, in the brain or whatever. Like you can create, you can create new patterns, you know, habit. It, to, to quote the Talmud, it says, hergo, which means like when you accustom yourself to something, naasa tevasheni, becomes second nature. So maybe it's not your nature. We were talking about three factors of your nature. That, that 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 but habit also can can 
influence your nature. So that's another factor, but that's maybe also part of like what you've... But the bottom line is you are who you are and, and from all of these factors, and you are who you are today. That is something difficult to change. It's, it's definitely changeable, but it's a little bit more difficult. We definitely need to strive to change that. And you labeled that earlier as the self? The self, the self of the soul. The soul personality. That's the that's the that's the the body of the soul. That's the soul itself. The soul itself is comprised of ten powers, three intellectual, seven emotional. That's what we've been talking about. I haven't used those terminologies, but the ten powers of the soul. That's what we've been talking about right now. Garments and now the soul itself. And we have to, we're going to wrap it up in a moment. I just want to say two more things. Number one, there's the then beyond all of this, there's the essence of the soul. There's the essence of the soul. So far we've talked about the garments, that's the outside of the soul, the soul itself, but then there's something called the essence of the soul. The yichida. The part of the soul that is not limited to or by any of the factors that we spoke about. The part of the soul, to use our example before, that never gets offended. Not that it doesn't get offended, but it can't get offended. Is that the godly soul? Yeah. It's the, it's the purest part of the soul that nothing can ever touch. Nothing can ever diminish. Nothing can ever affect. Nothing can ever reach there. It's so deep. It's so pure. And it's so... It's so... What, we, what it says in Tanya, it's so, it's so hidden in a sense that it's, it's not accessible... It's not vulnerable... To the stuff of life. So we're not aware of it. Oh, for sure. We're not aware of the other stuff either. You're all well. One second. You're not aware of the soul itself of that. Those. Pro- you're aware. You're aware of the outcome of that process. You're aware when, when you're already offended. You're aware that you're offended. But you weren't conscious of. Pro- at least most of us aren't conscious of that process as it goes down. Let alone the essence of the soul. Now. What we're going to do next time is focus on the essence. But I want to ask you another question before we get there. That was, I said there are two things left. That's point one is we have to present the essence of the soul. Point number two is, where does change happen? I asked before, I asked in the email, first of all, why doesn't change work? To understand that. Typically I say I'm going to change. Where does change occur? Where? On, what, on which level does the change occur? My, I, I'll tell you where I'm going with all this. I'm going to posit that if my change is occurring, if my change is occurring in the garments or in the soul itself, even though it might be a change for right now, it's not necessarily going to be that change forever and it's not necessarily sustainable. I'll give you a quick example. Quick example. I'm feeling, I'm feeling very offended, just using this example. So I've already processed it. I thought about it, and now I really want to say something or do something in the garments, garment level. So I say, you know what? I, I've noticed, I'm, I'm self-aware now, I've noticed that I've been reacting to my offense, to that which I've taken offense to. I've been reacting in a way that's not healthy. So you know what? On the garment level, I'm going to stop that reaction. I'm going to stop reacting to it. I'm going to stop, let's just say, saying, whenever I get offended, I say something really hateful, really and really hurtful, hurtful back to the other person. I don't like how that feels. That's not good for me, etc. I'm going to stop that. I, and I just, I straight up, I make a decision. Cold turkey. Boom. I'm stopping. When I feel offended, 
and I want to react, and I want to say something, and I've always, you know, seven days a week that happens once a day, and I say something, from now on, not saying it anymore. Nothing. I'm not going to say anything back. I'm just going to be quiet. Good luck. That's a, ch- a change that I make. A change that I make in the garments. I say, that's it. I'm making a change in the garments. It may work today. It may work in the moment. It may work sporadically. One thing's for, one thing's for sure. You're not guaranteed that it's going to work tomorrow. The next time. What's the guarantee? You're offended. You're feeling the offense. So you're just, you're just going to hold on and say, I'm not, 